you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Mayfield's going to take it, and no signal. Now there is. Touchdown, Cleveland. Wide open is Landry for the touchdown. Second and goal. Here's Samuels out of the backfield for the touchdown. And finally, the Steelers are able to break through, get it into the end zone, and four defensive penalties against the Browns help get the ball down the field. On third and goal, Mayfield into the end zone and caught for the touchdown, Carlson. How about his first catch of the year? That was a beauty. Here's a flag as, whoa, hello, whoa. Mason Rudolph got into it. Get out of there. What in the world? Believe Miles Garrett. They'll be swinging a helmet. Yeah, there'll be some ejections. That was well after the play. Well, he tackled Rudolph. Rudolph didn't like the way that he was tackled. Oh gosh. Oh man. Oh. Oh my goodness. Rips the helmet off Rudolph's head and then eventually swings it and hits him in the head. And then Joby comes up and hits Rudolph from behind. Beyond words, oh, Joe. Gosh, that's one of the worst things I've ever seen on a professional sports field. That was Joe Buck and Troy Aikman describing a fight that is going to be remembered a lot longer than the Cleveland Browns' 21-7 to victory on Thursday Night Football over the Pittsburgh Steelers. I am Greg Rosenthal alongside Chris Wesseling uh, in your beautiful house, Chris. Uh, unfortunately, Keisha's got to go to bed. She's got uh, an early shift to get to. And, you know, we've got some uh, wild things to talk about because this game was secondary, and we'll get to the game uh, in a bit. It was largely forgettable. Big win for the Browns. But the last 10 seconds in which Miles Garrett threw Mason Rudolph to the ground and then wound up taking his helmet off and hitting Mason Rudolph in the head with the helmet is obviously... 
something we've never seen in NFL history. You know, we're trying to think of similar circumstances. Albert Hainsworth stomping and kicking Andre Garrard, the uh, Cowboys center uh, in 2006 comes to mind. He was suspended five games for that. Uh, But it was about as ugly as it gets. And the immediate thought is, you know, can't Browns fans just enjoy anything? And then what is the NFL going to do with Miles Garrett? Yeah, I think we both mentioned the Albert Hainsworth thing to each other. And then I think, to me, it also reminded me a little bit of that West of us playoff game debacle with the Bengals and Steelers just losing control at the end of the game. Uh, and, and in this case, it's really Marquise Pouncey will be suspended, but it's really hard to blame the Steelers for much of this. They lost two guys, two receivers to helmet-to-helmet hits from an undisciplined Browns team. And then Miles Garrett just lost control. Just he, he went outside of his body, it seemed like. He hit... Rudolph late on the play, which I don't think should be lost in what happens because immediately fans say, hey, you know, Rudolph was grabbing for his helmet. He was trying to take his off as if he was starting. First of all, it doesn't really matter if if that was true and he started anyways. But Garrett knew what he was doing. It's eight seconds left in the game. Rudolph clearly let go of the pass and Garrett was getting in an extra shot and it's funny because Garrett has is such a smart guy. You know, he writes the poetry. He's he's such a smart player the way he plays. Uh, but he has a reputation of getting in those little extra shots. Like he has a little of a reputation among players or broadcasters. Just, just like he pushes the envelope. And you like that sometimes as a player. But I don't know what – or as a fan. But I don't know what it was in this case that he, he felt like he had to get that extra shot. And, and then what happened and he felt like he had to – you know, take Rudolph's helmet. And I don't think there's anything you can really do to explain it. It's just a question of like whether we see him again this year. And everyone immediately after the game is saying, we can't see him again this year if we're trying to protect players. And that's probably true. There's six games left in the year. I usually just go off precedent. There's really no precedent for this. To me, this is a lot worse than what Hainsworth did. And Hainsworth got five games. Garrett obviously has no uh, previous problem with the league. But it certainly wouldn't be surprising if that's it for Miles Garrett this year. Yeah, it's hard to reconcile that reputation he has for being such an intelligent player and a poetic uh, sort of personality with what we saw on the field. And it reminded me of a passage I've, I've said before from Bringing the Heat, where, where Andre Waters, the Eagles' safety in the early 1990s, he had transformed. He had found a way to transform himself into an alter ego, where he got himself so worked up. And let me read this passage, if you'll indulge me for a minute. Wes has got things underlined. I mean, this it was underlined long before tonight. He just had it ready in case this ever happened. When Andre suited up to play, he was no longer Andre Waters, the loving Christian gentleman who greeted callers on his answering machine with gospel music and a sweetly intoned, God bless you. He was someone else, his overman, someone known to him and his teammates as the Dre Master. And he talks about making sure he doesn't lose himself in that dark fantasy. Mm. When he goes there during a game... And um, this is the last passage I'll say on it. Just one sentence. To Andre, the division between real self and Dre Master is so complete, he's startled when real people in the real world real world, confuse the on-field antics with him. And, and I'm not trying to excuse what Miles Garrett did. I'm just trying to shed some light on how a person off the field can be one way and on the field just lose himself 
in the moment like that. It was almost like he just lost total control of everything and was enraged and in a fury. You, You hear players talk about that all the time. I mean, some players do it in kind of a funny way where, who was it that says he's Batman? Right. Uh, on the field. Uh, but you hear it say it all the time that it's almost like a flipping switch. And I've also talked to players who say you have to be a little crazy to play football. Most Absolutely. Of the, most of the positions. Like, you have to have something in you that you can turn on and get in touch with the most, you know, rugged, primal part of yourself to, or else you're not going to survive. And Garrett, it's funny, was a beast tonight. Garrett was awesome. He dominated Villanueva, who's a pretty solid left tackle uh, for the Steelers. I mean, he, he clowned him all night. The Browns' defensive line, largely because of Garrett, dominated this game. As bad as Mason Rudolph was, uh, a lot of it was because he was under pressure and because the, the Steelers' offensive line was losing so much. That's not going to make the punishment for, for Garrett uh, any less. And you're, and I think what the NFL will look at is what could have happened, which is just obvious. You know, he he could have caused serious damage. Who knows? He could have killed well, him. I mean, he, he you're swinging a helmet at someone's unprotected head. It, it could have had such a worse outcome. And I think the NFL should treat it as if you have that outcome because it's really the action. It's not whether he was able to connect or not that, that you're going to be punishing. You don't ever see teammates after a game fail to stick up for, for their guy. And, and in this situation, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry were on the set with Colleen Wolf and the gang, and they were presented with the video for the first time, and, and they just said over and over again, it's ugly, it's ugly. And Baker Mayfield, when he was asked about it by Aaron Andrews, was kind of similar. There's no way you can defend your teammate there. You just have to say this is part of our undisciplined mess. We can't do that. We have to be better than that. And we it's just totally unacceptable. It was, yeah, it was alarming. Um, not alarming, but... Uh, Stark. Yeah, jarring to see Baker say that and... Clearly disappointed, not just in the actions in the moment, and he's friends with Mason Rudolph, so you know that's that's all part of it. But disappointed because he knows he's lost Garrett. I mean, they sounded like they lost the game, and I meant to start the podcast with that quote from Jarvis Landry that he said to Colleen Wolf, our, our friend, where he said, "You know, the ending of this game just takes the spirit out of it." Like Joe, Joe Thomas was was talking about the game in, in this win, and Landry watching the video said the ending in this game takes that that joy away from it. Not only is is it going to be the conversation, but you're losing one of your best players, and it ties into what's been a running theme with this Freddie Kitchen team. You mentioned it. Demarius Randall got kicked out of this game too uh, for a head hunting hit. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster left earlier in the game uh, to a hit that wasn't even called, that should have been called. On that exact same play, Mason Rudolph was hit in the head at a, for a pretty routine roughing the passer. But it just goes to this Browns team where at one point tonight they had as many penalty yards as they had yards allowed. I mean, they were dominating this game. There was no reason for the Steelers to be in this game you know, late into the fourth quarter. And it does get to some of not just the inconsistencies on offense, but just the general sloppiness and lack of discipline they've had. And then it kind of comes out in the worst way you could imagine. Yeah. And I really have a hard time pinning Miles Garrett's actions 
on Freddy. Right now, I I agree with that. I agree with that. But it it does speak to this season long theme of the Browns. When you think of the 2019 Browns, you're going to think of the complete and utter lack of discipline. Although, I don't know. You know, you have a you have a team wide you know culture or a way of doing things of like. Uh, that well, they, maybe getting those extra hits in is somehow a little acceptable. I mean, Miles Garrett's had plenty of roughing the passer penalty. This is not the first one, and I don't know if it, it's tolerated or what. It's it's more the initial action of him throwing Rudolph to the ground that that well, the GM tolerates in, right. the, in the players he chooses. He he is a lot more liberal about you know overlooking things than other GMs are. So uh, Maurice Pouncey after the game, Marcus Pouncey said after the game we'll see how serious the league is about protecting players you could see in his eyes uh he was furious and he called for a year-long suspension uh of miles well, garrett i think pouncey will certainly be suspended too he went full joe pesci on right, Miles garrett right because i i get defending um your quarterback but ultimately you're gonna you're gonna get suspended too for kicking and punching and then Ogan Joby was kind of the most ridiculous thing <laughs> of the whole thing he walks up to Rudolph after it's already calming down as if he just wants to be part of it and he's he's not gonna try to take some big shot he just decides to push Rudolph to the ground just to say like hey you're you're a little you know what and he got kicked out of the game and he'll be suspended probably because of that just because it was so silly and unnecessary and this is a Browns team that we will transition to talking about that has no one on their schedule it's just it's just a row of tomato can after tomato can into week 16 and not that they played lights out tonight but they're do they have enough talent that they can overcome the sloppiness and sometimes nfl seasons are about the schedule. I feel like that it's almost... Mark has been looking for the stretch all season. <laughs> and you know what? Mark's been on it. He thought they were going to start 2-5. and five. Didn't they, Did they start 2-5? and five? I think they basically did. And then he thought maybe they make a run. And, and I think they could. And it's rare that it's that predictable. But now that we're 10 games in, it is this predictable. And sometimes NFL seasons really are about the schedule. Like, the Patriots won 11 games with Matt Castle because of the schedule, largely. I mean, they took advantage of good coaching and everything. Let's look at the rest of the Browns' schedule for a second, just so we get kind of an idea of how these suspensions and everything else could affect them. They play the Dolphins next week in Cleveland. Then they go back to Pittsburgh in a game that's going to have, you know, all sorts of attention. Oh, wow. Then they host the Bengals. Then they're at the Cardinals. So the, the, the toughest game they have in the next four weeks is going against a Pittsburgh team uh, that's led by one of the worst quarterbacks in the league who just lost their number one receiver, Smith-Schuster. We'll see when he comes back. That just lost James Conner again uh, after about a quarter or two. And I think is in the mix, if not the obvious answer, for the number 32 offense in the league. I mean, this is the Steelers' dream, I think, of making this run. I know their schedule's either. Uh, I think got a reality check tonight because – They've had bad luck with the injuries, but they're also one of the worst three or four offenses in the league. They've been that every week all season, and they're not making any runs. Sorry, Pittsburgh. Well, we heard the stat during the game that they had scored six offensive touchdowns during their four-game winning streak. and That's I, almost hard to believe. I was it, like, are they, well, they say that right? I honestly thought they were talking about the whole year. I, I really did. The offense has been that bad, and one of my favorite stats is drive success rate. They are in the bottom four and drive success rate and will fall behind the Dolphins after this week. And maybe it's time we get to some Mason Rudolph talk. I mean, you've been waiting for this. First of all, I do kind of want to point out and just paint a picture uh, for 
the listeners. When this all started happening, you know, there's only eight seconds left. We were about to start taping, and it happens. Wes immediately jumps up to the library as if he was like Batman going to the Batcave and was going to get his weapons and his uh, little Batmobile out. But instead, Wes's superhero is like a football library where he knew the exact page on the exact book that was already outlined that he wanted to go find. And that's why Chris Wesley makes the big bucks. Well, to be fully honest, it, it took about <laughs> seven minutes to Whatever. find the passage, just, but just it, it was it underlined. Just play it oh, up. thanks, Greg. Um, the just take okay. Let's let's get into the Rudolph, I guess, for a second, and we're going to talk uh, also about the Browns. We're going to take our time because I do think there's some positive uh, things about Baker Mayfield and and what happened with the Browns tonight. But Wes is clearly chomping at the bit because um, the, if if you were a Mason Rudolph doubter, this was like your coming out party. It was like Sea World, like this is what I've been watching. Well. It's Dan. Dan is right, and Dave Damashek is right. It's sort of unfair to expect great things out of Mason Rudolph with the decks stacked against him to the degree it has been. His receivers dropping balls, uh, his running back out, his receivers got injured during the game. It wasn't the best game from their offensive line. But I think that Dan and I have been seeing this from way different angles. And my point is that the results are kind of besides the point. It's that the game is too fast for Mason Rudolph, and I don't even think it's an inexperienced thing. It's a playing style and skill set thing. For whatever reason, his throwing motion frequently puts his release at the arm of a defender or the back of a blocker because of spatial awareness and slow, de- slow, slow delivery. It's uncanny how often he's delivering the ball as he's stepping into or away from pressure. That's what I've been saying all along. I think he would. He needs a complete makeover in the way he plays the position in order to get the results that we would want from him. That's been my point all along, and I think we saw that tonight. He just can't win playing this style of quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he's not it right now. And uh, everything around him, yeah, that, that is a contributing factor. But I think you can isolate some quarterback skills and play beyond that he's he's throwing up hope balls it's just taking too long you're right I mean Aikman said it he basically just said he's heavy-footed and he just kind of stands there doesn't navigate That's, the pocket well. it's it's the Mike Glennon thing I mean it's the it, you it's just the Zach Mettenberger the Tom Savage right it's the line between is he courageous and can take a hit or is he just inviting pressure and getting hit because that, you know, because he's not moving because you, you just have to be able to move. And the Steelers offense, you do feel for him and you feel for Randy Fickner. And I mean, they're playing with all their third stringers and the line isn't even which is supposed to be good. Isn't even playing that well either. So you feel for him. There's no like obvious answers. I mean, they are so bad on third and short yardage. They, they said they were third three for 12 on, on fourth and one or third and one this year. And they go for it and they turn it into you know, three for 13. And there was another third and two later in the game. And Rudolph's throwing the ball because Jalen Samuels has no chance to pick the, the, you know, first down up either. And that's why I just can't buy. I know you're forcing a ton of turnovers and I love this defense and you'll probably win some more games, but it's hard to imagine them getting to 10. And I think you'll probably need 10. It's not often that you'll see about a 30 play disparity between pass attempts and rush attempts where the, there's 40 more, 30 more pass attempts and you average more net yards per carry than net yards per pass attempt. 
It, it, I have no idea the play. I mean, I, the play calling on, on short yardage situations was boggling my mind. But I don't know what else you were going to do. As you said, their best play for the last five or six weeks is under throwing a deep ball and getting the PI, which is an underrated play in general. I agree. More quarterbacks should do it more often. Do you have any anger towards Miles Garrett for kind of putting, you know, a bit of a somber? serious tone on this recap when really you want to be like dancing in the aisles on you know mason rudolph's grave because you have a black heart that is not the way i would say it (laughs) i I would say that it would be a more lively jovial conversation about perhaps both of these quarterbacks if if it wasn't overshadowed by what happened late in the game well let's uh, let's at least give baker some due because i know you could watch this game and say Look, they had 12 drives. They only scored two touchdowns. There was a ton of three and outs. Uh, you know, they got the third touchdown on a gr- the best play Mayfield made all night um, where he you know buys time in the pocket and, and kind of finishes that, the game off with kind of a classic Baker play. And if you've been watching, I think he makes three of those plays every week. It, those plays have still existed. It's all the other plays uh, that have been the problem. I actually think he's played very composed and smart the last two weeks. Not spectacular, but he's eliminated those bad plays. I think he's making good decisions. He just and he said it to, you know, the the broadcast crew too. I think he's feeling a little more calm in the offense. And crazily enough, I think the biggest problem he has right now is Odell Beckham. And I know Beckham has made made a big play in this game and you got a touchdown. You're gonna get some some big plays. But Every time people say, oh, that's a terrible Baker Mayfield throw, it's that it's the Odell Beckham. And they're not on the same page. And this has been happening since week one, week two. And you had another play tonight where Odell Beckham got his hands on the ball and didn't come down with it. Beckham and Mayfield are in a funk. And Colleen asked you know, Odell about it. And he was, was about as honest as you would expect, saying it's a growing process. We, we're trying to get there, and we're not there. And... Mayfield's not too efficient throwing to Beckham, but he's been pretty efficient throwing to everyone else, especially Kareem Hunt the last couple of games. Yeah, I look at Kareem Hunt, and this is going to sound like hyperbole, but he's sort of the Browns' offense's answer to what Minka Fitzpatrick gives the Steelers. This missing piece of the puzzle who is so important for their quarterback and plays a position passing down back that the Browns have needed and sort of doubles as a receiver – that's been a huge plus for their offense. He's he's playing a major role as a chain mover for them, um, and I love that addition for them, and for and for Baker. He needs that. <laughs> it's funny because you know when they signed Cream Hunt, everyone you know was upset about it and and killed them, and and I get that. And then yet you don't you once he comes on the field. And he starts balling out, and he's looked awesome these last two weeks. And he was awesome for a, a big chunk of his time in Kansas City. No one's, I haven't seen any, any criticism of John Dorsey or any peeps about that. So that's sort of – it's this whole dichotomy of watching football, of what you're going to accept as a fan on the field. It's like we love Miles Garrett. Everyone hates what happened tonight. There's always this strange pull, and you know what Hunt did. But the reality is he looks great as a receiver. I mean, the, the third down catch he made – to keep the first drive going that set up the Beckham touchdown was outrageous. And then the third down catch he made in the second drive to keep that drive going, and they didn't capitalize on it, was just as good. And he kick-started their game-winning drive. I don't think it's it's a stretch to say, like, he is already one of their more most valuable players, and their offense is going to need to be better. Mayfield said it. 
they're going to need to be better, especially if Garrett and, and even Ogan Joby's out. Like, their offense is going to need to be legit good. It's just kind of been getting better, but it's still looking pretty average. It's going to be need to be legit good, and they need to start maximizing because they're still not nearly maximizing the talent that they got. The pieces are there, and you win some and you lose some in this analysis. You know, I can gloat a little bit on Mason Rudolph, I guess, but... I also thought. I that, mean, it's it's unsavory at this point. It almost feels like spiking. You know. The well, I mean, I'm just playing along to your narrative here, but <laughs> I also expected Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham to light up the skies this year, and I was dead wrong about that. To the point where, like you said, this is a problem with an offense that has the pieces to be doing much better. And I think you you wanted to check in on, on what I thought of where I stand on Baker Mayfield now. Oh, that's right. See, why well, you look at you? You're, I mean, I'm just failing as a host, and you're like. <laughs> Trying to drag me along with, you know, you're like, uh, Hansis would have remembered to, uh, you know, present this question we talked about uh, before. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, Dan Hansis came in and did a bang up job oh, yeah. as the guest host of Game Day View, which airs on NFL Network on Saturday. Greg uh, was raving about Dan. I just thought it's a tough spot to go in. It's like Mason Rudolph coming in, you know, hadn't ever seen the playbook before. He's got, you know, uh, who is that Steelers receiver out there catching passes tonight? Tevin, uh, Tevin, Tevin Jones? Right. I'm Tevin Jones, you know, fumbling, <laughs> fumbling catches. And he knocked it out. So, you know, you guys could DVR that. It's airing on NFL Network a couple times Saturday. Anyways, he would have remembered to ask you the question, Chris Wesseling, about Baker Mayfield and his play right now in this season. Be- because I really just wanted to frame it that you were the guy last year that said he's already a top 10 quarterback. I, and we all were right there with you, and, and I believed in it. Um, but you said he's already there. There's no question. I don't need to see anymore. That's who he is. And I wanted to kind of come back because I think we've been fair with Baker, like letting him go through uh, some young mistakes. But 10 games in, what what are you thinking about that assessment? Well, I think for me, the anticipation is the fun of following football, finding out guys who are going to be good. And I readily, I readily admit that I get carried away with that sometimes, and this is a good lesson. I believe in Baker Mayfield. I think he's, he obviously can make all the throws on the field that you want him to make. He's good in the pocket when he's playing well and seeing the field well. I think you have to question how well he's seeing the field and how mm-hmm. well he's working with his play caller this year. But I, I, I firmly believe in him, and I also think there is something to when all these old crusty guys around the league are making fun of how many commercials he's in. I think there's probably word going around the league that he didn't work hard enough this offseason. And I think that a young player who's obviously talented, and in my mind, he has superstar ability, there's nothing wrong with having a setback and coming back stronger and f- forcing yourself to make changes. We see it in great, great athletes all the time. You have to overcome adversity. And in this situation, maybe it's healthy for him to have a year where he's got to go back and change a few things and look at himself and say, what, what do I need to do to keep up with Lamar Jackson? Hmm. It's crazy that Lamar right now is, is the class of that quarterback class for, for this season. It's and not for the record, close. I, I would not take Lamar Jackson long-term over Baker Mayfield. I know that sounds wild, but I, I don't think so. I think a lot of people, I disagree. I would take Lamar. Um, but I think a lot of people in the NFL, would probably still agree with you. Seeing the field is it. Uh, and sometimes I think it's, you know. You and yet want, we saw him see the field last year. You don't want to put it on his height sometimes, but I have sometimes 
just just been like a couple plays. First of all, he's getting the ball batted down all the time. Yep. Like all the time. He leads the league in that. Uh, and there's been a couple times this year where I just wondered if on a particular play that was the factor. But it seems more like his mind is just not seeing things clearly. The The difference in the last two weeks, I guess, compared to everything else, is that he wasn't ba- he hasn't been bailing out of the pocket. He's been moving well in the pocket and making people miss and then making a play inside or outside of the pocket. And that's part of what made him special last year. So I love watching that from him the last couple weeks. And I think even without Miles Garrett, assuming he's gone for a while, I think Baker can play better, especially with a nice uh, setup matchups. I know that you got to face the Steelers defense again, but I think he can continue to play better and better and carry this team over some bad teams and have this team playing meaningful football when they play week 16 against the Ravens. I do believe that. It's wild how quickly these things can swing. And we pointed out earlier in the year with Kirk Cousins that, you know, he, he is – looked upon as a laughing stock to open up the season, and then all of a sudden, three weeks later, everyone's pointing out he's leading the league in passer rating, and the Vikings are rolling. I, Baker Mayfield can turn this narrative around in one month. He can. Uh, the Browns cannot, because uh, this fight is one of the craziest things we've ever seen. I mean, it is, it is not, uh, it's not hyperbole to say the NFL hasn't seen anything quite like this in terms of an on-field uh, fight and so the aftermath is gonna take days and we've already heard from Garrett would depending on who you want to listen to was contrite or was not contrite enough he seemed a little dazed which makes sense because I don't think anyone there kind of is going to realize the uh, enormity of everything that happened especially how it's going to affect his livelihood uh, for the rest of this season so look we're going to be talking about this for a while and this is going to be on Freddie Ketchens' ledger whether uh, he likes it or not and how he handles the aftermath and how this entire team handles the aftermath this um, is going to be telling and is going to be really important to Kitchens' future Um, but it's better to do that with a win right? Absolutely. You know it's better to do that with a little uh, hope for the playoffs. So Sorry Mark that you didn't get to enjoy your victory. I know that's like we we immediately went there watching the game we we immediately when this started happening we were like oh my god and the immediate thought is like why can't Mark why can't the Browns can't just, have nice things just have uh one nice win you could you could tell I mean even Jarvis and Odell you could at one point they were trying to get the crowd in and you could just feel like the, the air had been sucked out of the room. Uh, but they'll be back at work. And, uh, you know, the, the nice thing is they get a nice long week off and then they play the, uh, weekend off and then they play the dolphins. So the Browns are back in our lives in a big way. I'm sure we'll have some updates, maybe even a suspension to talk about on Sunday. Until then, I think we should get going. I mean, we're breaking records here. We for these mini pods for Chris Wesseling and Keisha, who's, Probably not asleep because, you know, I speak loud indoors, but man, Chris really speaks loud indoors, so uh, I don't feel nearly as bad. So let's let Keisha sleep and let's uh, get to Sunday. We will talk to you then.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.